0: Welcome to the Yoga Teacher CEO Podcast with me, your host, yoga teacher, CEO, and business coach, Della Wheeler. Join me as we combine strategy and soul to elevate your yoga business with ease. Welcome back. You're here for the Yoga Teacher CEO podcast. Thanks for joining us again. Today I have a very special two-part episode all about the Enneagram with my friends Kat Smith and Christy Bonner. Kat and Christy have their own podcast called Enneagram and Yoga. I sat down with these two last year, and they inspired me so much that I decided to create this podcast that you're listening to right now. You'll hear really quickly that Kat and Christy are truly Enneagram experts, and in this particular episode, we talk about the strengths and challenges of each Enneagram number as a yoga teacher, In part one, we'll discuss Enneagram numbers one through five, and in part two, we'll get to numbers six through nine. This conversation was so juicy, and I learned a little something about myself in each of the numbers. Here's a little bit about Kat and Christy. Kat is the co host of Enneagram and Yoga. As a yoga instructor, She's a registered 500-hour teacher. Cat Smith has a deep passion for practicing and instruction. Yoga empowers her to find inner strength both on and off her mat. It helps her live her life in mindfulness and joy, as well as cultivating a balance of a healthy body and peaceful mind. She is honored and overjoyed to share her love of yoga with each and every one of her students. Kat is so amazing. I look up to her so much. Christy Bonner is a licensed marital and family therapist, a yoga teacher, and a certified Enneagram teacher. Her educational background includes a doctor of ministry in pastoral care and counseling from Louisville, Presbyterian Theological Seminary, that is truly a mouthful. She's also a Master of Divinity from Emory University. She has a Bachelor of Arts degree from Emory and Henry College and 500 hours of yoga teacher training from Yoga Landing and Chattanooga Yoga School. She loves her work teaching yoga and counseling her clients, but her favorite job is being a mom to her two year old daughter, Isabel. Christy is such a warm and supportive presence. Um, I really appreciate that I get to spend time around her on a regular basis. Really, these two are both an absolute joy to be around, and I hope this episode captures that essence for all of you. Let's dive in. I'm happy to welcome Kat and Christy to the podcast. This is the second time we are recording due to technical issues, so we are really hoping that this is the one
1: that everyone's
0: going to hear. (laughs) Before we start today, maybe Christy, you could tell us a little bit about what the Enneagram is and how people can figure out what their designation is
1: sure so if you haven't heard of the enneagram it is a personality typing system so just like think myers-briggs most people have heard of the myers-briggs personality typing system well it's another choice out there to understand who am i um why am i here on this earth how can i soften parts of my personality Uh, that I need to work on and how can I celebrate parts of my personality the strengths that I have to offer the world the way that you can determine your Enneagram type and there's nine types so nine types of showing up in the world is going to maybe the Enneagram Institute which is enneagraminstitute.com it is a a website that's been around for a long time and they have a professional test on there that has been developed by a psychologist uh, that will help you to uh, figure out what your type is. Now I say that, but personality tests are only accurate maybe 60 to 70% of the time. So you want to read about it. You want to do your work. You want to look at what your top three scores are and then think about what fits. And then once you find what your personality is, then you get to do the work of, okay, this is sort of the personality type that I've been living out of, that I've maybe gotten stuck in. So the Enneagram would say that we want to actually integrate all nine of the different personality type strengths so that you can become the most whole version of yourself and that's what I love about the Enneagram is it saying this is who you've historically been but this is who you can become you can be more and you can work on those sort of shadow side parts of yourself that need some work but you can also celebrate you know the the offerings that are unique that you have to give to the world so Mm -hmm. I love diagram. And I just think it's another tool, just like yoga is a tool that helps us to understand ourselves and to grow. It's just one more opportunity out there. And a lot of people really, really get a lot out of it. So I would commend you to go and check out the website, check out the personality test and see if it might be supportive to you and your journey of spiritual growth.
0: Yeah, definitely. I know finding out my, my number really gave me a lot of freedom and made me feel really empowered. I was like, oh, okay. That's, that's what I'm doing. (laughs) I see. Yeah. 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 And Kat and Christy have their own podcast called Enneagram and Yoga, and it is amazing. They interview all different kinds of people, yoga teachers, and also not yoga teachers, right? Mm -hmm. And I love it so much. It's so good. So check that out as well. Thank you, Della. Yeah. Thank you, Della. Yeah. So I love to start with the yoga story, just kind of like a little brief, um, story of how you found yoga and why you decided to become a teacher. So Kat, can you share your story with us? I I surely can. So my
2: introduction was uh, to yoga was sort of uh, by chance it was a fluke and I have my um, non-yogi husband to thank for it. So I grew up sort of a non-athletic kid and never really was into sports, um, individual sports or kind of working out. It was always just kind of thing you had to do to keep in shape and keep, keep healthy. And that was that. Um, but about 12, 13 years ago, um, my husband finally talked me into uh, trying downhill skiing. So um, I said, okay, let's go. And we decided we're gonna take a family trip. And as we were getting ready to go a few weeks prior, he said, you know what, uh, babe, there's a thing called yoga. And I think it's like a stretchy kind of thing. And it might be good for us to try um, because you're gonna use all sorts of different types of muscles. down skiing and then you ordinarily do so we've tried it together and it was if for for folks who are old enough um who are listening it was on comcast on demand so on cable on tv and we would just plug it in for 15 20 minutes random yoga practices and um i ended up loving it so we went skiing and then we came back and I sort of stuck with it. And I think I've practiced with On Demand for a couple of years. And that was my practice. And that's what I thought yoga was before I been taken a class in any yoga studio. So that's kind of how um, I fell into yoga practice. It's just something that really spoke to me, something that made me feel very good and capable and um, balanced. And um, I got really interested in uh, learning more about the practice. And that's when I started considering teacher training. And as um, many of you know, it's a huge commitment logistically and financially. So um, I kind of passed on a couple opportunities and One came about about eight years ago and I just went for it. I just, I did not want to teach. I just wanted to learn more and I went through the process and the rest is history. I've been teaching for about eight years now.
0: Now you're a badass yoga teacher. I mean, I try. You really are. Um, So what's your Enneagram number? So I'm I'm Enneagram One Type One, which is um, a
2: perfectionist, reformer, a perfect. But I perfectionist side speaks closer to me.
0: Okay, cool. We'll talk more about the one in a moment. Mm-hmm.
1: Can you tell us your story, Christy? Yeah. So um, regarding yoga, I was working uh, for about. I don't know, almost 15 years as a chaplain. So roughly worked in that world for about 15 years. And um, most of it, I worked as a hospice chaplain for most of that time. And as you can imagine working with people who are dying, and this was pediatric and adult hospice, the burnout is high for that job. So I lasted in that job a lot longer than the average person. But it was taking a toll, like spiritually, emotionally, I was drained. And so I went to yoga school, really, because I needed to sort of quench my spirit, I needed to take care of myself. Um, and I just wanted to, to work on restoring my physical, emotional, spiritual body. And uh, I didn't think about being a a teacher. It was more about this is self-care. This is something for me. Yoga was the space where I could receive when I was giving a lot. I was giving a lot of myself and my work. and uh, And so I needed to go to yoga school because even just the yoga classes weren't enough. Like I needed more. And I would recommend yoga school for that reason to anybody who just feels like, their cup isn't full and they need to work on themselves and so that's what I did and then it just turned out I was taking um, these yoga classes and going to the 200 hour yoga school at the sports barn and one day the teacher for whatever reason didn't show up and they asked me if I could fill in I did And then about two weeks later, they offered me a spot as a teacher. And so I've been teaching at the sports barn for almost six years. Um, And so that's sort of my story of yoga. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, I'm just so grateful because I think I'm a healthier person for the breathing, uh, the slowing down, the movement in the body, Mm -hmm. Um, definitely a a practice that helps me to, to live life in a more and loving way.
0: Mm -hmm. Definitely. I know we can all relate to that truly. And what's your
1: Enneagram number? I'm a helper, a two. So I'm a type two is my dominant number Mm -hmm. and it's called the helper or the giver on the Enneagram. Awesome. I
0: can see that just from knowing you okay so we have a one a two and a three because i'm a three i just feel like people should know that um here with us and we're going to talk about the strengths and then also maybe the challenges for each enneagram number as a yoga teacher let's talk about the first enneagram number
2: absolutely so Type one is a perfectionist. And I would say the strength the yoga teacher with type one would bring to the table would be uh, extreme organization. So the class will be very well prepared for, they will be organized. They would ahead of time know how to set their music, how to work the microphone, how to work the heat. If it's a heated class, how to spread the students around. um, and of course the sequence and the message and everything like that, because that is just the nature of one probably overprepared. And also, um, I think another strength that they would bring to a yoga practice would be that the, you know, if a student is looking for sort of a proper alignment class, that probably would be a class to go to for type one, because um, mm-hmm. Tip one, uh, like um, when things are done right, although that could be a double-edged sword. But we, um, we do, um, you know, cue a lot of alignments for, po- for postures. I think what you need to be careful of is that there's not a way, the way to do it. There's everybody's way to do it. But one definitely will offer up the traditional or classic alignments for every posture or the postures that they're um, working with.
0: So that's that's my thoughts. Yeah, I feel like one of the strengths too, just from going to your class, literally, um, because I know what your number is and I practice with you every now and then, is that it really feels like you've got me, you know, like Mm -hmm. you are going to lead me in a way that's very confident and you've got my back like I do not have to think about anything because you've already thought of everything you're prepared it's professional and it really is that feeling of cat's got my back thank you thank
2: you ones do tend to take a lot of responsibilities on as everything else could be a double-edged sword that you know it could be weighing a little too heavy but you, you you're spot on that's you know you ones would probably feel very sort of highly responsible for people in the room and uh would want to make sure that People know to modify and rest and uh, give options if you're looking for certain, you know, um, posture or to build strength or flexibility or just have a sense of calm inside of you. Um, But they would be responsible, feel responsible to kind of provide whatever it is that the student needs. That makes sense. Yeah. But, you know, they're always. Couple of things that every number who is a yoga teacher would need to be careful with, because um, you know too much of a good thing could not be a good thing so if we are staying on one here's what i would say yoga teachers who are ones um, have that number may sometimes be a little too critical of themselves and um, of their students so that's something to watch out for and another thing uh, would be sometimes they might get too obsessed with the right or wrong way to do a particular yoga practice. And that's, you know, alignment is great, offering it is great, knowing it is great. However, remembering that your way is not everybody's way and everybody's built differently and has different sense of injuries and experiences and traumas and physical abilities, etc. So just remember to kind of be very open and inclusive Would be would be a thing to have um, for one to have in mind.
0: Yeah, definitely. I feel like offering options is such a great way to do that. Just give a few options each for each pose, or every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So let's move on to two.
1: Yeah. So I would say that every two yoga teacher is going to want to focus on making sure that they're students feel seen, um, that they feel loved, that they feel acknowledged, like a yoga teacher who's a two might be good at learning the names of the students, of getting to know them, of saying how was your vacation last week, like these twos like really care about their students, Um, so I think that that would be for sure the strength, Um, but often the, the strength and weakness can be kind of tied together. So for a two, they also um, might struggle with boundaries because they care so much about their students. They might stay after class too long to kind of figure out what's going on. The two really needs to work on boundaries. And so that can be um, just a real struggle. So you can see how those are interconnected. The very thing that they're good at can also be um, their growing edge, the part of themselves that they really need to work on. Um, but yeah, that would be my thought for a two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting how,
0: you know, too much of even a good thing can be yeah. unhealthy for us or even for our students. So just finding balance is so important.
1: Yeah, and I also um, think that twos, their talk style is help and advice. So they love to offer help and advice. And there could be too much of that good thing during a yoga class as well. And so sometimes uh, I think as yoga teachers, we have to watch um, whatever our talking style is and um, and just know that sometimes the two just needs to be quiet. They need to breathe, they need to offer the pose and, and not over teach and, and impart too much Wisdom, although that's their strength at the same time as well. Like they do have a lot of love and wisdom to offer, and and a meaningful theme can be a gift that a two offers, but it could also be too much. So there's just a fine line. Yeah,
0: that makes total sense. I think that talking too much is a lesson that we can all learn as
1: teachers. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> really. <laughs> Okay, so what about a three? I want to hear all about all about myself. Well, you
1: probably
2: can offer us the the most wisdom, but I'll tell you what, Christy and I sort of mused on three. So our threes are our achievers. So think our working horses, that would be a three. And I think the strength of a three as a yoga teacher would be that they would really be on top of their game in terms of teaching. So if they are teaching yoga. They would be very serious about it. It would never be sort of like a play-play kind of thing that they just do just because they would hold a job of a yoga teacher with the utmost respect and regard, which I absolutely love. And I also think a strength of a three teacher is... Uh, not only are they um, very goal-oriented and very um, work ethic-oriented, they are great in encouraging others to achieve their goals. So um, I would um, think that You know, a three teacher would be so instrumental for somebody maybe who is uncertain um, during their yoga practice or sort of feeling in a slump or not even sure if they can do it or think about um, achieving whatever they want to achieve in a yoga practice and kind of struggling with that. I think a three teacher would be that engine who would push them in, in the direction of success.
0: What do you think? Yeah. I feel like those, those are all very true for sure. Yeah. Taking it seriously. And then maybe that's also the, the weakness is taking it a little too seriously, doing a little bit too much teaching too much. Potentially I could see that being. Yeah.
2: The scales could tip a little bit into um, the achieving um land for for three so you know to trying to achieve the the status of the best teacher and be able to do all the master postures and um at times maybe even structuring the classes a little too much um, around the physical asana practice, what's called asana in a yoga practice, which is the physical posture and, and sort of maybe forgetting or not paying too much attention to importance of the breath work and meditation, which are huge elements of a yoga practice. So to me, for a three type, who's a yoga teacher, who's an achiever, I think it would be important to always remember that yoga is not just downward facing dog. It is also about self-reflection and self-regulation and what are the tools that we use in order to be able to achieve that. And, you know, because there's really not a goal in meditation. The goal is to sit and breathe and contemplate. That's kind of, nobody gets a blue ribbon after, after that. So just to be in the process for the sake of the process. And that's a practice. You know, we practice for the sake of practice.
0: Mm -hmm. I completely agree with that that's something that I've been personally working on just in life and as a teacher is being present in the process of it there's no destination and your classes
2: speak to that and I will attest to that and I know it takes work for you because and we've we've talked about it and for your listeners you were our surprise three so when we interviewed you for our podcast Mm -hmm. Christy and I both were floored and we kind of, you know, like to say we can peg the numbers and kind of have people, you know, you're not supposed to, but we we do it anyway. And when we've heard you were we're like, what, cannot even believe it. So you're doing a really good job not to have that competitive edge, that overdoing it, overachieving it in just how you are as a person, but also how you are as, as a young teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes
0: work. Yeah, finding balance. It takes work for all of us for sure.
1: Yes. But I would also say that that, you know, my thought and and yeah, you're not supposed to pick somebody else's Enneagram number because the Enneagram really is about our own inner work. But like Kat said, all of us can, you know, be guilty of doing the things we're not supposed to do. But we had surmised that you might be a nine. But you know the nine in as far as for the three, that is usually the arrow of stress um, that a that a three will go to. They can become more complacent. But you can also go to the high side of your arrow, and I would say that that would mean that if you meet a three and you feel a lot of nine energy that they're probably doing a lot of their emotional and spiritual work if you can feel that other energy in them. And when I go to your class, um, there's just such this energy of of peace, um, you know, uh, being in the present moment. And I just, I love that. And I just wanna commend you for that. It's hard for three to achieve that, because a lot of times people can feel their energy of do more, be successful, keep going. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that when I'm in your class. So I think that that was just amazing that you've been able to cultivate that peacefulness, even though probably inside of you there is a need to do and to, you know, move away from the being, but somehow you pull your students towards this um, present moment and the art of being. And uh, I, I just think that that's rare for three. So I love that about your class, Stella. Thank you. So yeah, I think a lot of us move
0: into teaching what we need the most. Like I usually end up saying things that I need to hear. And so I think that that might be why. But yeah. then also just like this emotional, like it's a full-time job, <laughs> all that work. Yeah. It really is
1: work. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's move to fours. Yeah, for our, um, our fours, they're often called the romantic or the artist. Um, the individualist is another name you might hear for the four. And they are very creative. And I would say that that would be the strength of a four. Uh, if they owned a studio You can just imagine walking in and it it would be a very aesthetic space that would be filled with art and beauty. Um, and if they're you know making uh or if they're creating a class, it's gonna have a sequence that's just beautiful and creative. Um they're very deep. And so I would think that they would offer a quote that would just like move you and stay with you all week long because um, often they are just existential deep thinkers. Um, so that would be their strength. As far as their weakness, a little bit like the, the three in some ways, they can be competitive. Their deadly sin is envy. And so they can compare themselves to others. Um, and so this is the type of teacher who might get caught up in um, thinking, oh, well, cat's class is better than my class. Um, So they compare themselves often negatively to others and and think of themselves as being less than. Whereas a three, it might be a little bit opposite if a three was in an unhealthy space, um, that a three might think of themselves as better than, but the competition can exist for the three and the four. Um, They're both kind of guilty of that. So, uh, yeah, that would be one of the, the things that the four would need to work on is, is not themselves, but also because they're such a, a deep thinker and also a big feeler, they might be careful not to play music that's like super sad, sort of Debbie Downer stuff. If you watch, If you've ever watched Saturday Night Live, the four can be a little bit... Guilty of kind of going into what's sad or what's hard in the world. Um, And that's actually their gift in in many ways. But the flip side of that is that, you know, they can get kind of stuck in that and not find sort of a balance between the gift of life and the hard part of life. So that would be my thought for four.
0: Yeah, you definitely don't want to go to a class and feel sad. Unless yeah. you just, you know, I mean, unless you already feel sad or emotions come up, but you don't want to unnecessarily feel sad, I guess. Right, 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 right,
1: right. So be careful of your playlist if you're a four, that it's not just full of sad songs and things that might pull somebody down who might, you know, want to go to the class to receive peace and not to necessarily go into a space of grief or sadness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just something to be careful of.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, five. Yeah, let's
2: move on to five. So our five is called the observer or investigator. And I think the strength of a five teacher would be that it would be a teacher with a capital T. They would be so knowledgeable and so well read and so informed. And they would never say anything during their teachers for the sake of saying it. Um, it would be, um, you know, checked and triple checked and all the I's would be dotted and all the T's would be crossed. So a five teacher, I would say would be somebody that you might want to learn like Sanskrit from, because we all know that, you know, that's the yoga language and uh, very few of us speak Sanskrit or pronounce even words correctly. I guarantee you five would um, and, uh, you know, or, te- you know, learning anatomy or even history of yoga, because a five teacher would have it researched, uh, to the nines and they would never, um, you know offer up anything that they're uncertain of which ironically enough five struggles with uh being uh, perceived as incompetent or coming off as, as incompetent or not knowing something well enough so that's their internal struggle as far as uh what uh five would need to be careful with is Fives um, live in their head quite a bit. And for a yoga teacher who's a five, it's very important to be able to go below the neck. So we're talking, you know, your heart, your body have a body experience instead of just being in your uh, mind body throughout the practice and teaching that way as well. Um, they could also have a little bit of a linear um, style to their teaching, sort of like a professor-like, which if you are in a lecture setting, works well, but if you are in a uh, class setting, it might um, get a little, you know, off. Um, not probably as as um, well received as if you were speaking more genuinely and not as a just this is how it's supposed to be. And this is a textbook way. So that's something for them to be aware of. And also to try to be more social. So Fives do tend to um, feel drained from um, over-socializing or sometimes even being around people. And as we know, you know, your classes could vary. You can have a private class with one student or you can have a class with 50 students in them. And part of a yoga practice is for a student to feel like they are seen and their presence matter. And that's a part of I feel. Yoga teacher's job is to make sure that your students feel that way. They're not just a number who came in and you queued. For them to do the shapes and breathe and walk out the door so five may want to work on um, getting to learn uh, know their students learn their names and saying more than hello and maybe making an effort to come in sooner before earlier than their class beginning or stay a little later which is not a comfort zone for them but i think if they can embrace it they would they would grow tremendously as a teacher mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, take some notes from the two. Yep, exactly. Yes, be more relational for sure. I'm starting to make connections. (laughs) (laughs) Let's press pause right there. I'm leaving you on a cliffhanger. Next week will be part two of this conversation with Kat and Christy. We'll talk about yoga teachers who are Enneagram numbers six through nine. You'll definitely want to tune in as we talk about some other things in that episode that I really enjoyed chatting about. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Yoga Teacher CEO. If you're loving the podcast, leave a rating and review. Wanting to dive deeper? Check the show notes for additional resources for your personal and professional growth.